everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Two Brothers, One Mike, Season 6, Episode 15. And today we're going to be talking about being involved in multiple sports as opposed to being, you know, like a, a specializing in that certain one. What the differences are, what the benefits may be. I don't know. Tony, how's it going? Yeah, the, the benefits. This is a controversial topic um, for sure. Some parents won't agree with some of the stuff I say today. Uh, coaches may not agree with some of the stuff I say today. Um, I don't know if doctors would disagree with me or maybe some will, some won't, but, uh, it's scientifically proven, you know, a lot of, a lot of the stuff that is the negative with this Joe, you know, when we grew up and a lot of our audience is younger now, that um, is, you know, the older also, but younger too. So for the younger audience that's listening out there, growing up, it was it was multiple sports. You know, you played baseball in the spring, summer. You played basketball in the winter. You played football in the fall. Uh, you may you may have wrestled also in the wintertime if you didn't play basketball. Um, you ran track in the spring if you didn't play baseball. You golfed in the spring, the summer. You played tennis in the summer. And you played soccer in the fall. And there was no year around. Now it's, I'm going to play soccer and it's going to be a specialized sport for me. I'm going to play nothing else. I'm going to do it from January to December with very little break in between. I don't agree with it. And I'm never real vocal about this with parents because I was vocal about it a few times with clients and it didn't go, it didn't go real well. Not because we were yelling at each other and throwing chairs. No, no. I, I know that's, that's what some people, uh, feel is, you know, the way to do things. And I'm not saying there's not a time when you don't feel like picking up a chair and throwing it at someone. <laughs> I don't condone it. Some people don't condone that stuff. You know what I mean? Sometimes people stand there and they say, don't throw chairs. Don't throw chairs, but the people that follow them still throw chairs, and then they get blamed for it. Where, uh, let me ask you a like question. That? Where do you think that originated from? I don't know. I can tell you. Geraldo. Geraldo. Oh, the uh, well, I was being. Yeah, I know where you're. I, I where you. Well, no, but you're you're not the first to say it. But you deserve. Yeah. It. Well, no, no, Geraldo didn't deserve it. Oh, yeah, he got in the way, didn't he? Right, he got in the way. It was, you know, but, but innocent bystander. <laughs> right, but, but, he, but his, he took his show in a direction. Uh, not so much Jerry Springer, but almost Jerry Springer without being Jerry Springer. Yeah, he was, he was trying to be controversial, and it, it, it bit him. It bit him in the end, for sure. Yeah, sure did. Geraldo. Right on uh, the nose. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Anyway. That, <laughs> that being said. And, uh, and that's and that's your ADHD moment for today on T bomb. Oh, I'm sure there's more coming. I'm sure. That... <laughs> but there's there's so much that goes into this, and there's there are some benefits when it comes to specialization, but there's there's way more benefits. There's so many more benefits when it comes to multiple sports, and and not just sticking in one uh, one particular sport. One of the biggest ones, and we're going to talk more about this towards the end of the show is overuse injuries when you're using the same muscle groups over and over again and all the different acute and chronic injuries that you can develop from that uh, and why. 
And we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. And then also, you know, when you talk about muscular imbalances, and I mean, basically, a muscular imbalance, ladies and gentlemen, is, is it's where something, some type of strength is not proportionate in the body, if that makes sense, Joe. I, I mean, you've heard of muscular imbalances, true or false? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's excessive strength in one area, and it's overwhelming for, for counterparts that are going. So it's not so much. So if you're talking about strength differential between the quadricep muscle group, which are the four muscles that make up the front part of your leg, ladies and gentlemen, or you're talking about the bicep, the two muscles that make up that muscle between the shoulder and the bicep. The quadricep muscle, one of the muscle groups involved with and responsible for flexion and extension of your knee, and the bicep is one of the muscle groups involved with flexion and extension of your elbow. The quadricep, the strength differential is going to be greater, much greater, greater than the bicep, right? And, you know, anatomy 101, the quad is doing so much more work throughout the day than the bicep. You can literally just be standing there and doing nothing, and your quadricep is working twice as hard as your bicep. Walking, running, jogging, climbing, sitting, standing, everything. Not one time do you use your bicep in any of those. Holding your body upright, moving from point A to point B. So the strength differential there is understandable. It would, you know, and, and again, those two have nothing to do with each other as well. Again, what I said, the one is involved with the shoulder and the elbow. The other one is involved with the hip and the knee. And and so they have nothing to do with each other. I'm talking about more, and we did a show about agonists and antagonist muscle groups before. Opposites attract the lower back, the lower lumbar, and the abdominals, the chest and the and the back, the bicep and the tricep, right? The um uh the quad, the quadricep muscle group and the hamstrings. And the list goes on and on. Um so, I mean, basically, when you're looking at those groups and they're playing off of each other to contract and lengthen, Joe, the same joint, all right, the same joint is flexing and extending. So in the situation, uh, let's take the quad and, and the hamstring and, and make it that much easier. And so when we talk about muscular imbalance, the quad is supposed to be basically 66% stronger than than the hamstring muscle group. So in other words, if if you're let, let's put it to you this way, if your leg extension in the weight room is a hundred pounds, then I'm sorry, I'm sorry, not 66% strong. If your leg extension in the weight room is a hundred pounds, one root one rep max, your absolute strength is six is a hundred pounds, your hamstring curl should be 66 pounds. So my apologies there, ladies and gentlemen. It's not a 66% strength differential at all. Um, your hamstring should be able to do 66% of a one rep max of what your quadricep can do. And so the quad muscle, the four muscles that make that up, as opposed to the three muscles that make up the hamstring, Joe, is much larger than the hamstring muscle, the quad muscle is. So it's going to be much stronger. Now, it's that it's that imbalance we talk about, all right, that strength differential we talk about when the quadricep becomes twice as strong as the hamstring. Now you have a weak muscle group and an extremely strong muscle group in the front of your leg, 
And so when you have so much extra strength in the quadricep and a weak hamstring muscle, the impact on the kneecap is tremendous and causes so many different problems when it comes to knee problems, knee injuries. And then it also begins to cause so many problems when it comes to hamstrings, strains, sprains, different types, right? You have type one, type two, type three, uh, and, and, and different types of overuse injuries, which we're going to talk about as well in a little bit. So that is one of the major issues I have with this situation when it comes to doing only one sport, because when you're doing only one sport, the movement patterns are the same year in, year out, every day, every week, every month for 12 months a year with little or no rest in between. And eventually you're strengthening certain muscle groups. They're more mobile, they're more flexible, they're more stable, and their counterparts are getting weaker and weaker and weaker. They're sedentary, they're not doing anything. And this is where so many different injuries to our ankles, our hips, our knees, our elbows, our shoulders take place. So doing the same sport and specializing in one sport year round, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not saying it happens to everybody. Joe, I bet you there are a ton of success stories out there with people who specialize in one sport. And I mean, we're tenacious with it. Absolutely focused, locked in, and not only on the sport, but whatever position they played in the sport, a catcher in baseball, just absolutely focused and played from the time he was six years old till the time he was 32 years old when he retired from MLB and, and was extremely successful. I bet you they're out there, but I can guarantee you the percentages aren't high. You have a great percentage, a great deal of chance that you're playing with there. That's a game. It's a fine line. And there's just way too much research out there that proves that time and time again. So that's one of the biggest reasons why I'm not a proponent of just specializing in one sport. You could take this with activity level too. Let's talk about you for a second. When you were a sheriff deputy for, what, it was 16, 17 years? I always get that wrong. Every time I ask you that, I'm all Well, my, my final year, I was home. <laughs> so- Technically, on the books, seventeen years. I was I was at home, you know, still collecting my paycheck, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't actively working that final year. So when we're talking about that particular profession, sure, you're sitting and in a pod in a chair for a certain period of time. There are the same chores and duties you have to take care of every day, wearing the same equipment on your hips or around your waist carrying that equipment around with you all day long for 17 years. And if you go look at, you could look at on my end, uh, in auto working, there are so many problems from an ergonomic standpoint when it comes to doing the same thing over and over every single day when it comes to overuse injury. Constantly manipulating, turning, twisting, pushing, pulling, and, it's, and then you're doing the same thing all day, every day. And it's specialization. You're doing the same exact thing. You get people in any type of career, people who do a lot of writing in their career, so many different problems with that hand that they use to write it. Then they're also sitting down. Also so many problems. This is why we talk about always standing up and moving around. Because when you're sitting down, you're activating certain muscles, actually, even though you're not moving, you're activating certain muscles and you're making them stronger to hold your body in a certain position while you're sitting down. 
but then their counterparts are doing nothing in that process and they're getting weaker and weaker as those other muscles that are holding you in place are getting stronger and stronger. There's situations where sitting down, your abdominals get stronger and stronger. Your lower back gets weaker and weaker. And as the abdominals get stronger and stronger, the lower back gets weaker and weaker. You start to have problems with your hips. And, you know, it goes, it goes, it's a downward. It actually goes, it goes a lot further than that. If you remember a few years ago, I actually was having issues with my jaws. Yes. And it, it, it had everything to do with the way that I was sitting in my chair. So as my lower back was getting weaker, my posture was going to, you know, was just going away. I had like no real good, healthy posture going on. And because of the way I was sitting, I was putting pressure on my TMJ and I was having issues with my jaw. Right. I mean, it's crazy the way that that could work. So yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're, if you're, uh, just like we say form is everything when it comes to exercise, it's really everything when it comes to, you know, just your basic mobility, just the basic things that you do every day. Yeah. Um, we're going to go to an ad here in a second. Folks, this is a, I don't know if it's going to be a short show or not as we, as we go on, uh, in the second half of the show today, but this is just, uh, getting a point across to all of our parents out there uh, on really thinking about this and doing your research when it comes to multiple sport activity, uh, with our young ones today. I seen this, I see this too often in the last 22 years and I've seen some injury and I've seen, thank God, usually a recovery process, uh, and, and they move on healthier and happier. Uh, I have seen a couple times though, where they just could not get rid of whatever injuries from overuse and muscular imbalance that they, uh, uh, you know, took on from specializing in certain, I want to say, I don't want to say sports, but when a pitchers where all they do is pitch and pitch and pitch and the shoulder and elbow can only take so much on that young arm and and that's all they do you know they're 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 a beast of a young athlete and already throwing 70 miles an hour at 12 years old and everybody's talking about them and they're already almost six foot tall and 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 the next thing you know they've completely thrown their arm out and you know the kid the kid doesn't know what to do at that point because do I tell them that I, I feel this in my elbow? Do I tell them that I feel this in my shoulder? Do I just, you know, work? And then you get this a lot. We're going to work through it. We're going to work through it. We need you. We need you. There's so many rules out there now when it comes to this that you're only allowed to pitch so many innings, so many games, you know, per week, and how that all co- I see those rules bent sometimes and broken sometimes. And, you know, I'm not going to get into that. And I don't want to hear coaches out there. Don't tell me no, it's not. Okay. I, I see with my own eyes. I think it's one of those, it's one of those deals too, where you, the, uh, the old adage, no pain, no gain gets misused. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah, that's, that's the wrong kind of pain. That's not, you know, <laughs> that's not the kind of pain that, that you see gains through. That's what that could potentially just be hazardous or, or result in, uh, this person losing their position or not being able to perform the way that they were performing. If right. I'm just taken care of, you know, but there's some selfish motives there, obviously. For sure. So folks, we're going to go to an ad. Like I say all the time, about 45 seconds, don't go anywhere. We come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about multiple sports for our young athletes today versus specializing uh, and why we don't really agree with that. Don't go anywhere. 
We'll be right back. Two Brothers, One Mike is sponsored by Kitchen Apps, perfectly prepared portions. Hey, Youngstown area listeners, it's Joe from T-Bomb. Do you find yourself dreading all of the specifics when it comes to prepping your meals for the week? I mean, calculating calories and macros can be such a pain, which for many of us can result in losing our momentum when we're starting a new eating lifestyle. Now, I know for me, I was constantly figuring out which foods to eat so I wouldn't only stay under calories, but also maintain my macros. What's more is I hated the idea of eating the same thing every day simply because I finally came up with that perfect combination. But then I found Kitchen Apps. Founded in 2015 by Tom Kitchen Apps, their mission is simple. They created a personalized selection of flavorful gourmet meals that are perfectly portioned and nutritionally balanced to fit their clients' lifestyles, as well as their physical needs, all for a very affordable price. You receive three meals plus two snacks for five days, so your whole work week is completely taken care of. And yes, there are options to add or subtract meals as you need them for the weekends too. So for more information or to place your order, go to kitchenabs.com. That's kitchenabz.com and get started today. Welcome back, everybody. So, Joe, we're we're talking about uh, multiple sports versus specializing in one sport. And so far, we haven't talked too much about what the benefits are because as far as I'm concerned, the negative outweighs the positive in this situation. What... Uh, I know there's something you wanted to uh, to add right now uh, as soon as we came back here in our second segment today. So a couple things, and and maybe it's our, my, my second ADHD moment of the uh, of the of the episode today. But one thing, I know we talk about buys and tries, quads and hamstrings, right? All these pro- protagonists. What are the words again? Antagonist and antagonist, protagonist, agonist and antagonist. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. Again, I'm 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 in that creative mode. I'm thinking of movies and stuff. You have a protagonist and antagonist, but anyways, so we know that these are all the opposites attract, right? Mm-hmm. What's the opposite of the calf muscle? Anterior tibialis. Okay, so what is that in American English terms? I'm sorry, in in American English Joe terms. <laughs> well, you have two muscles that make up the calf: the gastrocnemius, soleus. The gastroc is the bigger ball. Uh, closer to the in- interior portion of your of your calf, and then the soleus outside. The anterior tibialis is the opposite side of those two muscles, and basically what that does is it contracts and extends uh, when you are moving the ankle with dorsiflexion to plantar flexion. The, the muscle around the shin, yeah, connection to the shin. Is that what you're saying? Very good. Okay. Right. Well, the tibia tibia was ringing a bell. There was a uh, something that I learned in the past right. about the, the, that. The, the front portion of the tibia insertion into the ankle and the knee. Yes. Okay. Okay. I was just. I, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, well, what is that? You know. I, I, was being, I had an idea. Maybe. I thought I was being quizzed for a second. I said, "Is he trying to quiz me right now?" No. I, I'm thinking. I'm like, well, what's the opposite muscle? I mean, there's, there's like a yeah. shin bone up there, and then it dawns on me, yeah, there is kind of like some muscle there. Everybody's always talking about what do you do to work that, and when you talk about dorsiflexion, that's when you actually point your toes upward, ladies and gentlemen. That is where you contract the anterior tibialis and you extend the two calf muscles we just talked about. The gastroc, uh, it's, that's the affectionate name we call it, and the soleus. And when you do plantar flexion, which is pointing the toes down, that is where you actually contract the calf muscles and extend the anterior tibialis. And again, those two muscles working together for ankle flexion and extension. Uh, so when people, when people constantly complain about shin splints. Uh-huh. 
that's actually the muscle in uh, on the shin. Is that what that is? Yeah, micro tears. Okay, so then then that so that muscle. Yes. That. All right. So the other thing is, oh, go ahead. Oh no, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Absolutely. Go ahead. Okay. So the other thing I wanted to know about. Um, any tips or ideas, like how do you get out of, I know one of the things that we, like you were saying now, if you do the same thing over and over and over again, right? So I'm in this, in this uh, exercise routine right now where I'm like, it's a six week deal. Uh, I'm, this is my second round of it. It's the same kind of exercise all the time. And I'm getting to the point where it's like, I can't wait to be, I can't wait to do that. We talked about it last week, that, that couple of weeks of walking, because I've just, this is also probably about the 30th time I've done this regiment altogether since it's first come out. So, so, you know, what, what are some, uh, some ideas or, or is there anything that you could offer as far as like, how do you break, how do you make it a point to get away from the kind of exercising that you're doing, but not lose the gains from it? Cause that, that's one of my great concerns. This is a more of a cardio-esque thing. I don't want to go into something that is, uh, you know, we're talking about heavy lifting or, or any sort of, uh, uh, max reps or anything, then you're losing the cardio effect. So, I mean, is there anything you, you could talk about with that? I mean, is there a way to, to not undo your gains from what you've been doing? Well, well so wait a minute, let me now, now I, I was with you and then you said what, what you're doing right now is only cardio. Wait, no, no, it's, it's very cardio esque. Um, so let's say you have a pitcher who's, who's doing his, who's doing his pitching thing. Okay. All the time. And then, uh, uh, so they're going to switch him to another position to maybe reserve his shoulder. How do we make sure that this person is not then going to lose that momentum, everything that he, that he had going in pitching or whatever it may be, you know, whatever the position may be, whatever sport it might be, how do we make sure that they're not going to lose whatever it is that they gained moving them out so that we change the exercises that, so that there's not so much wear and tear on those specific muscles all the time. So, so rest is, is a key component that nobody understands. Um, and I, I truly mean that, especially people who are, I work with a, a young man who does not understand the meaning of rest. He is a marathon runner who basically power lifts at the same time. He's very strong. He's not a small guy. He's uh, put together well and uh, is a beast of, of an individual when it comes to his workout regimen. Literally set seven days a week almost, it seems like sometimes, and he's constantly having to recover from injury. Uh, and he, he constantly with, with, with the stress on his Achilles, on his knees, on his hips, recovery day, then he's right back at it again, running 13 miles, running 10 miles, running nine miles, getting ready for the next marathon. And then you see him deadlifting 315, 320 pounds for sets of 10. And, and so, so what's not understood sometimes is what we call therapeutic modalities. There's nothing wrong. And it's going, this is kind of getting away a little bit from what you're saying, but the resting factor for two to three months where you're taking stress off of a certain, bo a certain body part because you're engaging in other activity is not going to cause you to lose your gains from what you, being sedentary and doing nothing and just completely walking away from exercise, that will cause you to lose your gains. 
But if you're a pitcher, so to speak, right, and then baseball season is over, so you decide you're going to play soccer, that's where you put more stress on your ankles, on your knees, on your hips. It's a running sport, and you give your shoulder and your elbow a break, okay? You give all the specific movements and movement patterns in baseball a break, and you go to soccer where you work on strengthening those opposite muscle groups that you weren't strengthening in baseball. You work on strengthening them, becoming more mobile in those areas, more stable, more flexible, and therefore you have that muscular balance between the two sports where your multiple movement patterns are supporting your baseball but at the same time, you are resting certain muscle groups that were being overused probably by the end of the season. So multiple movement patterns and balancing opposite muscle groups that weren't being worked in the one specific sport and now that are being used in another sport, absolutely you will not lose your gains because you're still going to go in the weight room. Even on the in season, you should be in the weight room working on athleticism. No, you're not going to be in the weight room five days a week, especially if you're going from one season to the next. And the, the, you have to look to see where that break is at. And and I, I hate when, when kids play sports January to December. I You've got to find, ladies and gentlemen, you've got to find two things. Number one, a resting period for them. And number two, can we please let them be kids for a minute? I, I This drives me nuts. Because when you take athletes, I'll, I'll never forget a one young lady that came to me. She played volleyball. She ran track. She played softball. She was coming to me to train. And she was going to piano lessons. All at the same time. Well, how was she doing volleyball? Volleyball's not even in the same scene. No, she's playing traveling volleyball. As she's playing traveling softball, as she's playing, it's absolutely ridiculous. She was on two different volleyball club teams while she was in season playing softball. Joe. She's coming to me on Sundays to train. And finally, I looked at her. I said, what's wrong? I didn't know. She said, Coach, I can't do this. I'm exhausted. And don't you know? She ended up with mono. Yeah. And it's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, and, and as parents, sometimes we have to we have to really uh, shoot with caution. It, it isn't so much the parents; sometimes it's the kid. Now, uh, my my middle child, oldest in the house child, um, is very athletic. Uh, the kid is, I mean, his basketball is his love, but uh, right now he's playing football. And when he's not at football. The soccer coach says, really, to any of the football players, and, and I think it's really just so that they can have a soccer program. Hey, if you have any free time and you want to play, come on. And so he'll play soccer in the off time, but then he also does football, and he'll do that right up until basketball. And this is this is just all year round the kid wants to play, but it is a little different because we're talking about basketball and soccer and football. There are three different very, very different, uh, uh, the positions that he's playing, uh, different sports, they're different. Um, uh, you know, you're not overexerting any one area than the other. And in fact, 
the other two kind of complement his love with the basketball. Uh, one of the problems that were was that a problem, but it, something that he kind of struggled with was the physical aspect of basketball, as far as having to being fit, be physical with other people on the court. You know, a lot of people don't realize there's a lot of touching going on there in basketball, where you have to use elbows and and hips and what have you to move people out of your way. And he was a little uncomfortable with that. Well, football's going to help with that um, all over the place. And then soccer just being a conditioning thing for him for come the basketball season. So, I mean, you know, it, it, we, we've made it a point uh, to where those things, mind you, soccer and football are at the same time. Now, there's a litmus test, his grades. Uh, if we're not seeing things going good with his grades, obviously, then you know that it's kind of having an adverse effect and, and we're not going to have that happen at all. Um, but that said, you know, he's also, you know, we're, we're making it a point that the sports that he's playing actually, um, actually, um, what is the, I can't even think of what the word is, um, accommodate one another. Would that be it? Um, I don't know. Are, are conducive to one another or sure, uh, sure. Whichever, but we know uh, in knowing that basketball is his love, we're making sure that the other sports that he's playing helps him along with that sport, whatever that means. I'll, I'll think of it as I'm editing this. I'll be like, yeah, the word was dummy and it'll be too late. And anyways. No, um, no. basically, basically you're talking about different movement patterns. When you talk about a tennis player and then a baseball player, there's a lot of specific movement patterns there that are the same. If you take a shortstop in baseball and you take a tennis player, I could show you all the lateral movement that both of them are making, where you're going to be working on the same muscle groups a lot. And the overhead swing, as opposed to the overhead throw. Every There's a lot going on there between a tennis player and a shortstop, second baseman, third baseman, that are the same thing, especially a shortstop and a second baseman. And, and so sometimes you got to look at that as well, where one sport is exactly the same as the other when it comes to the positions they're playing. Now, if you have somebody who is a swimmer, and then plays goalie for the soccer team, completely different energy uh, patterns there uh, when you talk about anaerobic, aerobic pathways and and muscles that are being used uh, and muscles that aren't being used. And so that's a, that's that's an awesome transition to go into. when. But if you're looking for sports where you're looking for a sport to help strengthen what they're learning in another sport, a wide receiver, you're going to see them running the 100, 200 meter in track. Uh, an offensive lineman in football, you may see them as a wrestler. Or a linebacker, you may see them as a wrestler on the wrestling team. And so you know, uh, uh, a catcher, you might see him as a goalie on the hockey team. And so, so, the- so we would say that these sports complement each other. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. 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 They complement each other. Position to position. Then there's other situations where, like I said, if you take a baseball player and a soccer player, that's where you get that opportunity to play two different sports with multiple movement patterns where you're strengthening, stabilizing, and creating flexibility and mobility throughout the body. And at the same time, giving certain body parts a rest because those two sports are completely different in nature uh, and, and their, their energy pathways are completely different. And, and so you need that sometimes. And sometimes you need to take a break. Sometimes you need to play a sport, take a season off, and then play another sport. And here's, a, here's another big reason, Joe. 
And you talked about this just now when you were asking me about your weight room program, boredom. Boredom is a major issue. Let me ask you this, and I'm going to get to your weight room thing here. I'm not, I'm not trying to avoid that. I'm going to get to your weight room thing here. You ever see gymnasts? This is for everybody out there. Have you ever seen gymnasts? Look, look at your Olympic girls gymnast team, okay? What do you notice about them? I don't know. Any of them? They exist, but I've never watched them. I, I, I couldn't tell you. Are any of them they're, 30? They're athletic. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> are, are any of them 30? Oh, no. I mean, they, they seem to be young college girls. Uh, uh, sometimes 15 years old. Six, well, I, I think I think about some that we know. Uh, are where do they different. go? What's up? Where, then what happens after that? I, I I don't know what you do after that. I don't know. Completely burned out. They've been doing it since four years old. That's all they do, night and day. They breathe it. They eat it. They sleep it. Gym, gym, gym. Working on this. Working on that. Working on the vault. Working on the high. It, it's 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 embedded embedded in their brain. Some of the strongest mentally. Mental strength-wise, some of the strongest people in the world are your gymnasts. They are ultra-focused. I trained a couple of them. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've never seen focus like I see out of a gymnast. Swimmers that are completely focused on swimming. Swimming, swimming, swimming. Same thing. Figure skaters. I've trained all three of these. And they are 100% focused. That is a positive. The mental strength of a specialized athlete is tremendous, tremendous as they continue to put forth hours and hours and hours towards their trait. And if they can get there with passion and have no boredom and love what they're doing and avoid injury, I say God bless them to be able to do that. And you do see that happen. They almost don't have time for another sport especially if they want to get to that elite level. You're not going to get to the Olympics by playing multiple sports. True or false? That might be false. I don't know where you find time as a gymnast to play traveling softball or volleyball or baseball. I have no idea because the way they work uh, it, it, in and out of the gym, it, it's just completely amazing how much time that these young men and young women put in there especially at that age, to have that kind of focus, and not to become bored. So that is one positive that I think is, is the mental the mental strength is amazing with these young people. But eventually, they do get to that point where after 14, 15 years, they're 20 years old, and they're saying to you, you know, Mary Lou, you're Mary Lou Retton's out there. There's my 80s for you, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. Yeah, just li literally looks at you and says, I'm done. Put me on the Wheaties box and I'm going to go now. <laughs> and, 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 and God bless them, you know? And, um, you know, so, so that is one of the positives. It's it to, to me, I don't know that that outweighs the negatives though. I really don't. And I think something that's very uh, important that people, for people to understand, you don't want to listen to me. Brandy, Brandy Chastain, she was captain for the 1999 women's um, national team uh, that won it all, and soccer, ladies, uh, women's soccer, 
And in an interview, Joe, I seen her in an interview and she said, if she wasn't mistaken, she said, every woman on that team played multiple sports growing up. She played three different sports. She said it was the best thing that they all ever did. They'll, uh, an athlete at an elite level will tell you that they played multiple sports and it was the best thing they ever did. Not only are you trying to find where your passion is going to be, sometimes you don't even know if that's the sport. You might fall completely in love. I've had gymnasts that completely fell in love with volleyball and walked away from gymnasts, you know, being, being a gymnast. I've had that happen more than one time. I've had tennis players walk away and play another sport. And they were good. They were fantastic at, the, at that sport. They found something else that they loved. And so you have to give kids a chance to find what they love, just like going to college and trying to figure out what your major is going to be. It's not always going to be the first thing you pick, for sure. It might be the third thing you pick, the fourth thing you pick. You know, and, and obviously, you definitely want to lock one down eventually. <laughs> but but um, unless you're going to be a career, you know, we, we see them, you know, the, the career college. Uh, Rodney Dangerfield, back to school. Um, I, I keep, I, they, why that, that just came right into my head. Classic. That was a classic. But anyway, um, I, uh, I, I, I think that that is something that is extremely important is you have to give kids a chance. Excuse me. Not only are we talking about overuse injuries and, and muscular imbalances, but we're talking about boredom. And not chasing, maybe maybe we're not finding what it is that we truly love and what we want to do. So you have to give them a chance to, to, to try different things and see whether they like it or not before you just pick one thing. And, you know, real quick, Joe, when you talk about going in the gym and then you get bored eventually, that's why we do periodization. That's why we do, you know, you, you talk about your macro cycles, which are usually like six weeks or so, and your micro cycles, which are like two to four weeks. Do some more microcycling. Do some things where you're doing things for two weeks at a time to three weeks at a time and stay in that realm for a period of three to five months, three to four months, where you're going two to three weeks of the same exercises, take a week off, come back, switch it up. Two to three weeks of the same exercises, right? Not only the same exercises, but switch up Switch up the attack. Buys and tries and shoulders are going to be together during this microcycle. Chest and back are going to be together during this microcycle. Legs and core are going to be together during this microcycle. Three weeks go by. I'm going to walk for a week now. I'm going to swim. I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to relax. I'm going to do some stretching, some yoga. Here we go again. Now, chest, shoulders, will be in tries on one day, back and buys on one day, legs on one day. Keep switching it up. Then the next time through, legs and shoulders. Chest alone. Buys and tries. I, you switch it up and, uh, you know, um, then the next time through, all upper body. One day, all lower body the next day. Then the next time through, full body workouts. Then the next time through, we're going to work on we're going to work on the front portion of our body, all right? All movements that attack the quads, the abs, the chest, the front deltoids, the biceps. Then the next day, we're going to work on everything from back here, our back, our glutes, our hamstrings, our calf muscles, our triceps. Make sense? 
Switch it up every two to three weeks. Not only are you going to strengthen, stabilize, create flexibility and mobility throughout your body, you're going to give other body parts a rest in different ways, but you're going to create muscle confusion at the same time where your body's never going to understand what it's doing. And when your body can't figure out what you're doing, it has to grow to adapt to you. And if that makes sense, I hope it does. It also solves the boredom issue. So just as somebody who's active in the gym, that's something you should try. It's something I do. And honestly, Joe, the biggest reason why I do it, my ADHD. I can't stand doing the same thing for six weeks. It drives me nuts. Um, I'll lose my mind. So yeah, my, the work that I've been doing, I mean, it changes every day. It's just that, you know, after you've done the same thing for six, well, the same six-week workout so many times in a row, like, you know what to expect. You know what to, you know what I mean? Like, it, so it changes, but but you know what's coming. And there's some weeks where it's like, oh God, week five is coming. Week five, and I know what the strength and agility is for that week. And uh, which happens to be the week I'm on right now. I'm telling you right now, folks, I got up, I went downstairs and I, it just was like, I'm walking away. I just don't even want to do this today. I just, I'm not in the mood, but, and I've said this before, uh, the, the feeling I get from finishing it, completing the actual workout is far greater than the one that I'll have momentarily when I first step away, because by the end of the day, I'm feeling guilty that I didn't work out. I didn't do my, my workout for the day. So it, it's, it's fleeting. So I, I stuck with it with the idea that I have one week left. Because again, it's a six-week cycle, one week left, and boy, am I looking forward to just zoning out on the treadmill for a good week before I do anything else. It's just, it's one of those things. And uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, even when I do come back, I'll definitely, you know, uh, uh, be doing something different. Um, it probably won't be as cardio-esque. However, um, it is going to be, uh, uh, you know, definitely something different. There's some new equipment we're looking at and and so I was able to to kind of uh, cheat the system a little bit, if you will, uh, as opposed to, you know, just kind of going back to something else that I did or haven't done in a long while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, good stuff. Um, I'm going to, I think I'm going to start cardio-esque. I'm going to add that to my vocabulary. Yeah. Uh, cardio-esque. It's not full cardio, you know, it's shadow boxing. And yeah. if you're doing it right, if you're doing it right, oof, I mean- the, the, the routines that I've been doing is, uh, uh, well, yeah, but the regiment isn't just shadow boxing. Okay. So, yeah, you're doing that, and then there's days that you're doing weightlifting. So it isn't all, you know, and, and again, there's strength and ag agility in it as well in the middle of it, like HIIT training, which, yes, is cardio, but we also know that there's, uh, uh, you're getting some muscle, mu muscular gains as well from doing that. Are you? Uh, are you holding dumb? Are you holding dumbbells when you're? No, never, okay. never. Um, I, I tried that once with just two pound dumbbells, and it's not that they're heavy. The problem is you don't want them to fly out of your hands, so oh. you're you're really gripping them, and uh, oh, your hands. I mean, your hands. The next couple of days, it's just not worth it. And then, come bag day when I'm hitting heavy bag, I, I couldn't even touch it. It was like there was no way my hands were too sore. So um, I, I never do that. You know, it looked good on Rocky. It looked good in some movies, you know. Um, and I'm sure it has a place for people who are actually getting in the ring. Uh, but for me personally, I see no, uh, not, not in the realms of just shadow boxing or, or heavy bag work or 
double end work like I do. Um, you know, there's just no real need for it. Uh, for the weight that you are carrying. So imagine how much harder you'd have to grip if it was even heavier yet. That's a lot of pressure on your wrists. And th those are weak bones. You got to be careful with those. You're not, you're not, you should be holding 30 pound dumbbells in that situation. No. We're talking, you know, fives, seven, seven and a half. They have sevens out there. They have eights out there, tens, but you're not, depends on how many reps in or in that situation, usually it's for time. Not, yeah. not for I mean, if you're using it, if you're, there's certain things where like, if you're slipping, all right, or you're doing different things, that's fine. Uh, but I think if you're doing full on, you know, you're punching, man, that's, that's, again, that's a lot of, that's a lot of pressure on your wrists, on your elbows, on your joints. And especially if you're snapping, you're, I mean, you could really, you could really end up with some tendonitis or some other issues with your shoulders and your, cause really, I mean, there's a lot more to a punch than just throwing it. I know a lot of people think, well, you know, uh, I, back in the day, street fight or what have you, boxing is not street fighting whatsoever at all. There's a, there's a whole, <laughs> there's a, there's actually points. I mean, people don't realize that, that there's a lot more to it than, than just punching somebody down yeah. in the center of the ring. Uh, you know, you're and so you have to know how to throw a punch proper in order to actually get the most benefit from a workout, like the one that I'm doing. So, you know, it, it isn't like I'm, you know, this, this, Kung Fu Joe or something, or you know, whenever you know, some want to be Mike Tyson. No, I, I've said before, I'll never get in a ring. Um, but just if you want to get the best benefits of it, you got to know how to do the basics of, of of the sport itself. And so, yeah, doing anything like that with weights would just be it would be entirely too much. Um, th there's enough going on. It, it's not. I don't even think it's necessary. Now, some people use uh, stretch bands, like the the long ones with the with the handles. They'll use those uh, for throwing different punches or whatever, but that's not even for speed. That's just for 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 just for strengthening and uh, yeah. Uh, agility. Yeah. Okay. What if you were asked? This, this is a time thing. What if you were told to do it for ten thousand hours? Uh, would you be able to do that? Now, ten thousand hours equals about four hundred and fifteen to four hundred and twenty days. I'm not sure exactly how many days, but it's somewhere in there. Can you do that type of workout? Over a period of, let's say, three years, can you continue to do that workout? Because I'm gonna. I've done this. I've done this workout for roughly three and a half years. Uh, so you, but you, but not straight. I, there's been times where I've stopped. You know, so do you, you do you think you have over 400 hours in? Oh, gotcha. oh do you, I'm sorry, 400 days, 10,000 hours. I don't know about 10,000 hours. I mean, they're 45 minute. They're 45 minute to 50 minute workouts. Um, so if you, you did, know, times, yeah, if you, if you did, according to Malcolm Gladwell in his, uh, Mal Malcolm Gladwell, ladies and gentlemen, is a journalist. He's a Canadian author, a journalist, public speaker, and he wrote a book outliers. I, I can't remember if it was called the secret of success. Um, it's best-selling book. I did not read it, but in that book, in that book, from when I read, he wrote all about the 10,000 hour rule. He did not develop the rule. And I cannot remember the name of the gentleman that did, but he writes all about it in this book, right? And what he talks about is anytime you apply in this formula, 10,000 hours, which I worked out to be, I think, 417 days, it was, it was. If you were to obviously not in a row, 417 days in a row, 
So I, I, you know what, Joe, I made it three years and then that's about a third of, of that time. So over three years, a little more than a third of three years, if you applied your trade, okay, whatever it is, athletically, academically, and you worked at it over and over for 10,000 hours, you would become a professional, an expert at that particular trade. And a lot of people go off at this 10,000 hour rule. And that's why they believe in specialization in youth sports, because they feel like if this young person can continue to perfect their trait over and over again, that 10,000 hour rule that Malcolm Gladwell wrote about in his book and in that application and continuingly, and I think in some situations that makes sense. But when you're talking about physical demands on the body and you're not doing things that are going to complement that, so in other words, you are causing weakness in certain muscle groups that aren't not, they're not being used while you're constantly for 10,000 hours concentrating on that one group of muscles in terms of stability, flexibility, mobility, strength, it's, it's, it's a disaster waiting to happen. When it comes to overuse injuries, micro trauma, it starts with micro trauma. It starts with, you know, the little things, right? The little, the little problems here and there. And then it turns into more complicated injuries that take a long time to heal and to work through. And I bet you if we were here right now with our guest that we just had on two days, two days ago, two episodes ago, which was um, orthopedic physical therapist, Rick Olderman. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, he would be able to elaborate on that even more so. Maybe next time Rick's on the show, we can bring this up uh, when it comes to this particular topic. Of course, why not listen to a professional? And he definitely is quite the professional, folks. If you did not listen to that show, scroll back a couple of episodes to an interview with our meeting Rick Olderman, um, an orthopedic physical therapist, sports physical therapist from Denver, Colorado. And I guarantee you, he can he can elaborate even more so on on this particular topic right here when it comes to that type of micro trauma and how it can continue to cause more and more problems when it comes to overuse uh, issues and and muscular imbalances and just a, a slew. It's almost like a a tornado, all right. Just picking up more and more and more problems, going from an F one to an F five over a long period of time. So. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't condone it. Um, and again, I have friends who have children who play one sport. I'm going to tell you something. I'm not bragging, but there's one particular athlete of, uh, two friends of mine, married couple, like brothers and sisters to me. I talk about these people, folks, in some episodes that we grew up like brothers and sisters and we still are. These are two of them. Their daughter plays one sport, and she is phenomenal at what she does. And I am excited to see where it takes her. She has the mental strength of a bull and has the, um, the, the maturity of a 35-year-old and has the, at the same time, the personality, and her personality is fantastic. Her manners are fantastic. Just a fantastic young lady all around. I always worry about this right here, though. I always worry about 
this overuse issue and an imbalance issue. Um, the one good thing about it is, is that she plays multiple positions uh, for her team. So she is uh, a pitcher by trait, maybe, or maybe not even. She's actually an outstanding third baseman too. But but it, it just at the plate, in the field, on the mound, on the mound, she she's fantastic. And um, but this is her thing. This is what she does uh, year round for the most part, and loves it. Boredom is not a board. Boredom is not going to be a problem. She absolutely loves the game, breathes it, lives it, loves it. I just always worry about that. You know, I always worry about you know what is she doing to make sure that doesn't happen, because she can probably carry this sport as long as she wants. Um, she's definitely that focused. So I always worry about her because of my feelings on specialization. I'd love to see another another sport in her life, just for all the reasons we listed uh, earlier in the show today. So, I mean, folks, really, if you have a child, and especially, listen, if they're eight, nine years old, there's no excuse to play one sport. That That's, at least let them try. I, I have a, his, he talked about his soon-to-be 14-year-old. My soon-to-be 14-year-old plays on the same basketball team as his 14-year-old, and our soon-to-be 14-year-old. And, and mine, he's tried, you know, football, flag football, baseball, basketball, 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 that, that, that's his love. He does take some time off. He does do a lot of clinics in the off season. Then he takes some time off. Then he plays his season. I I really would, I can't force him, right? We can't force him. I really would like to see him try something different on top of what he does with basketball because I think it could help in so many ways. And we talked about all those ways today, Joe. So folks, I'm telling you, join the fight with me, with our young people, and trying to get them to understand all the benefits of multiple sports. Coaches out there that coach one sport, I'm sorry if you disagree with me, and I'm sorry if you don't like what I'm going to say. You're doing a great disservice, and it's selfish in every way, shape, and form. I'm telling you this right now. To try and tell a kid not to go play another sport, Simply because they're your star athlete in the particular sport that you that you coach, and you're afraid to to either lose them to another sport because they may like it better, or because you're afraid because injury is part of of athletics. You could lower the percentages, you can't eliminate them, okay? But you're 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 afraid that well, what if they twist their ankle? What if they break a finger? What if, and, and, and that's selfish. You allow a young person to expand and grow. You don't try to hold them and confine them in one spot. So if you're a coach and that's what you're doing, you're not a coach. And I care less if that offends anybody or not. I'm a coach. I don't do that. Don't do that. Wrong answer. Plain and simple. And I'm off my soapbox now, Joe. Okay. Well, with all that said... (laughs) That being said, that being said, see you uh, until next week. Uh, I want to remind all of you, be sure to join us every Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for all of our new episodes. Also, if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, or opinions, you can leave us a message via the link in this episode's description. And finally, and finally, I'm, you know, I was making a great comeback on that whole thing. I did fine. I was doing good, but that's okay. 
That is just fine. But on behalf of Coach Tony and myself, thanks for listening. All right, everybody out there. And folks, listen, I, it's it's something that, you know, I, I know I got a little hard there on coaches and I respect coaches to the utmost, but I, I just, I don't like when I see something like that. So if you're, if you're doing that, please, please rethink that whole process through because kids need to be able to explore. That's, that's the idea. Sports can't just be about winning. It's got to be about a lot more than that. So I hope somebody got, I hope somebody got something out of this today, if not everybody. Take care, everybody. Be the best you. Joe, I'm out of here.